Hey everybody, Diana here for the Change Worker Podcast. How are you doing? This week I have an interesting topic um, that has a lot of practical application. It is the, the skill of showing and not telling. And I've done enough writing, both in a marketing sense and as uh, wanting to be using my words written and spoken in a way that I want to show people instead of tell them. I'm, I'm really good at telling. I'm really good at bullet points. I'm really good at the logical breakdown of things. But telling a story around something in terms of the how or showing is, I think, a skill that can just it's just it's a good one to have especially in your marketing especially if you're trying to connect with people both in and out of uh, social media in real life so i have why this came up because i've been thinking about showing and not telling this whole concept for a long time because i recognize that um i am a big fan of logistical bullet pointed summaries um it was as if I didn't trust my audience to make their own conclusions, so I felt very driven to supply exactly the outcome so my audience would get it. And that sounded to me when I was rereading some of the things that I've written and listened to some of my podcast episodes, I, I've just heard this, um, uh, what is it, there's a word, sort of pedagogical, meaning you're this teacher and you are you play this role as a teacher and you're, you, you have students and by God, they're going to listen and learn from you. It's a very forced experience. It's a very one-sided experience from a teacher's standpoint, the speaker's standpoint, because you're spouting off knowledge, but not necessarily giving it a practical application or a vivid or visual type of experience for your listeners so you know it can make learning easier and and, and being able to access that material from a practical mundane life experience is you know really helpful because it makes you more accessible so yes while this is a literary skill if you're you know going to be a writer anyway it's a wonderful skill to have and i'll give you some examples um but I, you know, in terms of reaching your targeted audience from the marketing standpoint and the, the product, quote unquote, that you're selling is you and your services, then you're not talking about a character in a book. You're talking about you as the main character and you are an expert on that main character. You have many, many stories to tell. You have your own dialogue. You have your own way of communicating that people associate with you. And so that's what you're, by learning how to show, not tell, that's what you're trying to let people into just a little bit more. And so this is a huge skill for online marketing or even face-to-face marketing. If you're asked to give um, a presentation at work or at a, an organization, 
um, networking organization. This this is the way that we we sort of bring people into this immersive experience that is us and working with us. So that's why I'm not, you know, this is, it sounds like, oh, well, I don't know how, where is she going with this, basically? And that's, this is why. This is why I think this is a great skill. So um, what I will say First off, just in general terms, is you know I've chosen to learn more about this because, like I said, I have a lot of reasons for communicating the way I have in my life, um, which I may or may not get into in this episode. But anyway, um, I can, I want to connect more with my audience through their senses, their emotions, and the actions I might talk about. Um, and like I said, it is this a lot of these podcast episodes, all of my social media content was from my experience. So I thought. Anyway, it, it, there's a lot of what I've been reviewing, some of the things I've written before, and I really liked the way I wrote them. But I wasn't sure. I'm not sure how effective they were in terms of connecting people to me. I mean, I liked them, but I, you know, I think at, at the heart of a lot of my hesitation to be more present on social media right now is I just don't trust my ability to say what I need to say to the people I need to say it to. So I am working on that too. That's probably a topic for another episode. Um, so anyway, like I said, when you learn how to show something to your clients your the people that you're actually talking to it it is letting them draw their own conclusions you are painting a vivid enough picture of what's going on so they can like take from it what they will take from it the images that come up in their own minds their own experiences and often this leads to their own revelations this is what i find cool about showing and not telling and we don't have to beat people over the head about what we do and why we love it so much and why it's effective and why our clients love us and the transformations that they've had. We can say a lot using stories or saying much, much less than maybe we're comfortable saying. So I think um, it what showing and not telling does not look like is um, it is the, the the logical it is the bullet points it is all that and it's also summarizing things in a in a very basic kind of way sort of like a police report or a factual um, this is um, what am I thinking of white papers or something like that where it's very factual it's dry. It's not very um, vivid at all. We, we are forced to draw a lot of big conclusions, but they, are, they don't have a lot of life to them. And so I, one of my deepest desires is to be understood. And I've clung to this idea of being understood. I realized there was a lot of, I had a lot of communication habits that uh, were not helping me. 
I, for instance, I thought that there, the people who I was, talk, was talking to were privy to some of the inside jokes I thought what I was talking about had. <laughs> I thought I was making a lot of assumptions about where they were. I was um, thinking that what I was saying was accessible to them initially. And then when I realized that it, they were not, they had never heard of it. They, they were just completely like, what are you talking about? It, you know, I had a bad reaction to that. I was like, why don't you know what I'm talking about? It's, you know, <laughs> don't you understand me? So there, there's like this, this whole entitlement thing <laughs> rears its ugly head again. So, cause I, I made this assumption of believed that, you know, don't people think like me? Don't people's internal workings work like mine? No, they don't. But that was the assumption I had. Surely you understand me because this is what goes on in my head surely must go on in yours. And that is not the case. There are people who know, have known me a long time, don't necessarily understand what I'm saying, but they understand why I'm saying it. And that's as far as sometimes that goes. Um, I understand that I have to prep my audience and check my audience to see what I'm about to say is going to be received. Are they even, is it the time and place to say these things? So, and there's also a lot of this is tied up in um, some people won't hear what I have to say. They won't pay attention. They, they've already they're already too far in their own minds with their own crap in their own minds that they're not going to listen to me. I didn't, there wasn't a, it wasn't a time or place. I wasn't invited to share what I was wanting to share. I wasn't, um, even recognized as part of the conversation and I had something to share. There's a whole bunch of things, a lot of examples around that. And I, I learned to speak quickly. I learned to be concise because I recognized a person's attention span was pretty limited. I figured I have about 10 seconds to get this point across. And that was, you know, for someone who kind of stuttered over their words, stumbled, and, you know, I, my thoughts and feelings were so big on something, it was really hard for me to condense what I wanted to say in this 10 to 20 second blurb and, and make it understandable. So it got to the point where I was just like, I'm not going to say anything at all because I don't, I haven't learned to do that yet. So I recognize too, part of my evolution has been that not everything, not every thought in my head is super important to everybody. And um, it's best I, I chew on this alone. I chew on this until I have it figured out, until I'm, I'm ready to share or I'm invited to share my perceptions of it, my ideas of a concept. And it's, for, it's just better all around if I just wait for that. I can entertain myself plenty with uh, taking concepts, take, putting them, t pulling them apart, putting them back together again, and making sense of it in the way only I can. And it's practical to me at that, at that point, but you know the testing ground is, is it practical for other people as well? So I have my own internal library when it goes on. And so, you know, I've never learned how to tell a story. 
I always thought I was a terrible storyteller, and this wasn't always true. I know this, because when I was a kid, up until probably late high school, early college, that um, I was a storyteller. I lived in stories in my head. I told stories, and a friend and I, and of mine, we would sit and write stories about weird things, and we would try to outdo each other. It was fun. It was playful. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, and then that stopped because I, I just realized what was going on in my mind wasn't, um, wasn't easily digestible for other people sometimes. And, you know, a lot of my thoughts were barely formed. A lot of my thoughts were based on assumptions that weren't right. So there was so much I, I wanted to say, but I hadn't really thought it out in my mind. Anyway, I hope that makes sense. Um, I went back and looked at a bunch of my early, uh, uh, September 14th, I will be a coach, a certified coach for three years. So going back to my first year when I was learning all the concepts uh, from the coaching school that I went to, and I was so in love and enamored of these things, I wanted everybody to know. I was so enthusiastic about um, these concepts and how they had helped me and how they had helped other people. And you could see the changes in people when you coach them, using them. And I wound up spending a lot of my time on social media teaching. I was, it might have, I went back and listened, watched some of these and realized, oh, well, we're talking down to people there. We are making assumptions about people. We're trying to educate, force educate people to something you find important that they they might may not welcome, want to understand, or even request it in the first place. So you need to slow your roll, basically. And that was another reason why I'm, I'm turn, trying to figure out skills that will help me communicate with people better and maybe listen more and talk less. <laughs> um, I want so badly to show my audience an experience and through my experience relay that information that I know but in a way I don't it's not forced it's very natural the conclusions they might reach they may not have ever heard of this type of um, perspective before I'm all about, I love that when that happens. And I just have to get out of my own way to make that happen. It has happened before. I just need, the one factor that stops me is I'm trying to force something. I am trying to, I'm not being me. I'm not being, I'm not showing people who I am. I'm telling them who I am, which is boring. <laughs> so anyway, um, Going back to, see if I can find it without ending this recording. Um, I'm going to give you some examples. And these are a bit long, but um, so sorry, I had this lined up, but apparently not well enough. Okay, so here's, I mean, you can find all kinds of tips and tricks on um, showing, not telling. You, for instance, you want to create a sense of setting. I walked through the forest. It was already fall and I was getting cold. Showing 
is saying the dry orange leaves crunched under my feet as I pulled the collar up on my coat. And you're using your own dialogue here, not a character you're making up. The character in your story when you're marketing is you. So if you want to, you want to use action, the things that you are doing in your kitchen as you're making food, as you're feeding the dog, those kinds of things. And so there can be too much detail and you want to be brief with that. Um, you don't want to go into long-winded stories necessarily that um, your, your audience is going to be puzzled by. Um, where am I? There's a few that I wanted to talk about specifically because um, I like them a lot. Let's see. And these are from books that I've read. Um, let's see. That's not the one. So you don't need to necessarily know the background. This is, uh, and this is a quote. Not when he caught me staring and when his lips curled into a tragic sort of smile, like he had known I was there all along and he appreciated me watching over him, but he was very busy experiencing big foreign feelings the way a garbage disposal experienced chicken bones. I love that because that's so true. And here's another one. Um, Cal rubbed his forehead with an irritable groan. How long until your wife gets home? Sparing a glance at his watch, Nick replied, 27 hours, 39 minutes. What a splendid treat being loved all the way down to the minute. Here's another one I like. The world before Alex felt far away, and I couldn't comprehend the months and years spent pining for Lauren. I could call up those memories, but I couldn't get inside them anymore. I was, it was like paging through a high school yearbook and recognizing those moments as my own, but struggling to understand why I believe that haircut to be in good taste. So those are some of the examples I really liked. <laughs> so... Um, but you see the, 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 the person, the, those last couple of um, quotes for, from an author named Kate Canterbury, and she writes romance novels that are very, very smart. Um, and I love her because you can tell she loves words. And the way she talks about the characters and builds them up and keeps them all separate from each other, they're distinct characters, is what I adore about her writing. And this is what the skill I'm trying to learn for myself and I'm helping others learn is to have that separate voice when you're marketing and you're showing and not telling, what does that look like? And so I have a, a client who coaching client who one thing she is learning to do with her husband is show him how much she appreciates him, show him that, um, that he is a part of their lives and their business and all these other things rather than telling. She's a huge fan of words and talking and he is not. And so I think he in his own way is a very perceptive guy. So he's going to see her actions rather than hear her words. And it's not like it's just her. He does this to everybody. <laughs> um, 
but you understand where I'm going with, with, with that in terms of showing appreciation to somebody, showing um, rather the actions of doing those things, the intention behind those actions, I think is in a way more powerful to people who maybe don't trust words, don't trust intentions, and actions mean more than anything else. So I look at myself as, um, where was I going with this? So in terms of marketing, I want, there. once we start writing for an audience, that audience is in our heads. We may even people please this pretend audience. We may want to lie to them and sugarcoat what we're trying to say. We're going to make ourselves as acceptable and agreeable as possible to this pretend audience to the extent that our writing and our the messaging we're trying to impart is going to become stale and one-dimensional. And so part of the showing not telling is vulnerability, is this idea that, okay, if I believe that I am my own brand, I am my own product, and I am trying to sell myself to my audience, then that means I'm going to be sharing things that I may not be comfortable sharing. Um, and there's probably humor or sadness in those things. But those are the types of stories, and we're, we're not using them just gratuitously. It, it is a desire to show people I am, you know, I may be this change worker, and I've done a lot of work on myself, I might be, you know, have very uh, pedigreed academic and professional experiences, but I'm still pretty damn human. And this is what we're trying to impart. What I like about this is that our stories show a lot of our characteristics, our character, our actions, and our flawed human experience, our flawed existence in those stories. So that's what people are going to latch on to. They're going to feel like, okay, that, that person, I think, pretty much sees me right now. And I may not sign up to be their client right away, but I've got, got them in, their, in my mind. So we are planting seeds with this type of device, showing, not telling. And I think what, what showing not telling means to me too is this idea of figuring out who the product, if I am my product, if I am I'm selling my service, I'm selling what makes me me to my audience in as uh, an authentic way as possible, then I have to figure some stuff out about me. I have to know me pretty well enough and trust myself that when I am vulnerable with this audience, I have I can take care of myself if I don't get the reaction that I want or I get reactions that are not what I expected. And so this is part of our growth too as business people, as change workers, is the showing and telling to ourselves. 
How can I show myself that I am capable, that I do help people, that I am a professional, that I am ethical, that I have, I hold the space for my clients, that I hold the space for myself. This is part of what this process of learning, showing and not telling is showing yourself who you are, not necessarily telling yourself who you want to be. It's who you are now. So I look at this as um, this is a process. Showing and not telling obviously is a skill uh, that you master over time. And depending on your relationship with words and writing, uh, that can be a very deep, passionate uh, stay for with yourself and with your audience. I think... Um, this is, I saw a post by one of my business coach mentors and she talks about who we think our audience is. And like I said before, we have a pretend audience in our heads who may not be anywhere near the people we want to reach. That pretend audience is full of critical people, critical people who are going to say bad things about us or worst case scenario, attack us or undermine us or, in, in other words, not be the audience we want to be. We're focused on this, this negative pretend audience um, instead of really focusing on the people who want to hear from us. And so we have yet to form, formulate a relationship with those, the, the intended, the desired audience we want to have. And in my mind, I don't know if you're like this, but when I think, oh, my intended audience, you know, how many people is that? 100, 1,000, 2,000, 10,000? 10, I don't know what that number is. Am I, and it really boils down to when I'm showing and not telling, I'm speaking to one person. I'm not speaking to the masses. I find it easier to focus on that one person and seek to commune with them, have talk about my experiences, listen to their experiences, make this a two-way street rather than have in my head this sort of panel of faceless people who I'm trying to almost prove something to or pretend that I'm something I am not. And so it, I've been there. And it's, 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 it's a not a comfortable place to be. But I think we do have to spend more time with who we want to be our audience and not just think of them as the, a big faceless mass, but as maybe a small group of people, of maybe people that you know or people that you want to know. And let that sort of feed the showing. Because, it, you know, I don't know about you, I'm, I am far more comfortable with groups, small groups of people. You know, four people is probably too much for me. <laughs> I'm more comfortable with two, you know, me included, two or three people. That's because there's, to me, there's space to um, communicate. And so if I use that same perspective when I create podcast episodes or when I write copy, then it's much more intimate. And I am likely 
to be more vulnerable, to be more honest, to be more or to be less someone else. So this is why I think showing and not telling is a really important skill to have, not only as a marketing, written marketing or um, your lives, your reels, your videos, webinars, it is we're learning, we're showing ourselves who we are and what we bring to the world. And that we have to start there before we can show and not tell somebody else. Does that make sense? Okay. Well, if you have any questions about this, if I need to expand on this a little bit more, um, please let me know. Send me, drop me a line. We'll talk about it. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week and I'll catch you next time.